Hello and welcome back to another episode of A Cozy Christmas Podcast. My name is Art and we are celebrating Christmas in July in the only way I know how. Got the air conditioner cranked up, I've got a Christmas candle burning right now, and I'm drinking a cup of iced tea. I've also been listening to some Christmas music this past week. And I do want to just start off the episode today by telling you about the Sounds of Christmas podcast. I recently was able to be a, a, a guest on that podcast. The host of the Sounds of Christmas is, uh, is getting a bunch of uh, us Christmas podcasters together to talk about our podcast and different things like that. And that episode I'm on just dropped, well, the day I'm recording this, but it dropped a few days ago. And I'd encourage you to check it out. And also, he, uh, Ken, the host of the show, runs a website called The Sounds of Christmas. Anna is a radio station where he plays Christmas 24-7 uh, throughout the year. With the exception of October, I guess they switch over to Halloween music for October. And so uh, after I was on his show, I decided to check out uh, the radio program that he has. And it has a very nice selection of Christmas music. Uh, a lot of them that I haven't heard before, so uh, I can save some of my uh, my special Christmas music for the time it gets closer to Christmas. But this was a nice diversion uh, and a nice addition to my uh, Christmas in July celebration. And so I, I'd really recommend that. And there's a couple songs that he that were played on that station that I ended up getting off of uh, uh, Amazon for my playlist. So I appreciate him doing all that hard work to, to bring us Christmas music all year round. So uh, check out Ken's uh, Sounds of Christmas podcast. Uh, it has certainly been something that has been keeping me in the Christmas mood this week. I would love to hear how and if you celebrate Christmas in July. You can send me an email at cozychristmaspodcast at gmail.com and I'll read it on an upcoming episode. This year... I got back from vacation a couple days into July, and then I had some family visiting. So uh, some of my time I had hoped to be putting out podcasts, I just had to kind of put on hold. But uh, I've been trying to sneak a little bit of Christmas fun here and there. Uh, so uh, like I said, I've been listening to some music. I've been reading some Christmas books. Got a Christmas candle going. But one of the things I was able to do near the end of June is something I hinted at last week in the last episode. And yes, I got to go to Bronner's, the world's biggest and greatest Christmas store. Um, so one of the places we went on vacation was Michigan, and I was able to go with my sister and her family to explore the wonder that is Bronner's. I spent a lot of money, but I had a lot of fun. And I want to thank you uh, for those who have been uh, supporting me through Kofi. Uh, I was able to pick up some Christmas goodies thanks to your very generous donations. And one of those goodies is a package of Christmas cookies I got from Bronner's. And here in a minute, I'm going to be uh, talking about them uh, with everyone's favorite guest co-host, Gracie. So yes, Gracie is back on the podcast today. And we're going to talk about uh, our trip to Bronner's as well as a couple of other things that she's been doing this summer. Uh, so we can catch up with her for our story today. I have an original story written by friend of the show, Nat Bickle. Now, you know her as the author of the children's book, The Christmas Clue. And uh, she's been on our podcast twice now. And uh, she's written a, another Christmas short story that is going to be published later this year. And the publishers very kindly gave her permission to read the story on, on our podcast today. So... This will be a brand new Christmas story that no one has heard before, and I am so excited to get that to you today. So settle in for a treat, because we've got a great show ahead of us uh, today. All right, so without any further ado, let's go ahead and jump over and uh, catch up with what Gracie's been up to this summer. Well, everyone, I have a special, special guest it's been so long. The one, the only. Uh, Gracie's here. I am here. All right. Um, it's been a while. Yeah, I think it's been since like before I turned, before my birthday, since we recorded last. Thirteen. How does it feel to be a teenager? Um, not as different as it felt being twelve. It's not very much different. Oh. But. It's all just a terrible, terrible age. 
Mm. <laughs> it's worse at school, so during the summer it's pretty just, you know, yeah. pretty chill. So. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad we have summer break right now because, oh, school, don't even get me started on that. <laughs> school kind of just... School stinks, huh? It was nice at first, but then the people got annoying, and then... <sighs> um, well, we're going to try to catch up with what Gracie's been doing. Um, mm-hmm. up uh, to many things. One, uh, one of the two <laughs> things I want to talk about with her today is uh, she is going to be in a local uh, musical. Harlem Community Theater. Uh, yeah, a local community theater, and uh, you guys are doing The Sound of Music this year. Yes, we are. All right. So, what did you have to do to try out for that? Okay, so there's a song that we had to sing for our auditions. Auditions? Can I even talk today? <laughs> and um, we had, it was Do, Re, Mi. I don't know if you're familiar with that musical. It's like the Do, a deer song, you know? So, we had to sing that for the directors. And then, once we were, and you could choose to do it by yourself or with a friend. Me being the nervous wreck I am, I did it with a friend, but mm. they really liked it, and they said we blended beautifully and all that stuff, and then after everyone had sang, we got, like, measurements for costumes because pretty much even if you don't, like, when you're trying out, everyone's allowed to be in the musical. Basically, when you're trying out, you're just trying out for, like, special roles, mm. like, one of the Von Trapp children or like Maria or the captain or whatever. And if you don't get callbacks or anything, you're just like a nun or something like that. But so they got measurements for costumes. They just, and then after that, our, the directors gave us a line to say, I think it was like, hi, I'm what your name, you know, like, hi, I'm Grace. I'm this many years old and I love chocolate milk and petting fluffy bunnies. Okay, or some, something like that. It was just random. Yeah. And you had to say it in different emotions. They wanted to hear, like, our acting abilities and, like, our different emotions. And so mm -hmm. the next morning after auditions, which it went a lot better than last year because I knew what to expect, I got callbacks, which was really good. Um, for It was for one of the Von Trapp kids, and so did my best friend. So, you know, that really adds to it. And we were both terrified. Like, we're like, what if one of us gets a part and one of us doesn't? Because mm. it would be really hard on each another just to see, like, your friend have a, having a really good part and you feel like you're not as good or something. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, I got callbacks for the character Louisa, and she got callbacks for... Brigitte Marta. It was like two different characters for some mm. reason. Mm -hmm. But um, so we both got the characters we wanted, which is really good for us. And it has just been very stressful, but very fun. And um, my best friend's little sister tried out and she got callbacks for Gretel. But sadly, she did not get Gretel. Another little girl did. Although, Oh my goodness, her little sister is the cutest little thing on the planet, and she did <laughs> she, is, yeah. she did amazing. She stole the show. Her um, emotions were great when they did it. She has the cutest little sad pouty face in the world. As it gets closer and closer, we actually have our first performance tonight, so nice. I'm very nervous, but I'm very excited. It has been really great, and so as we've gotten closer to performances, the Geneva, the little girl, she's gotten very <laughs> it's, it's tired. Been, it's, it's been, been a hard. lot. It's like, we've hard. had practice every day this week, yeah. and it's Friday, or no, Saturday. Yesterday, we got a day off, which is really good. But Yeah, anyway. well, and, and it's been late nights for you guys, too. Oh, yeah, so, we haven't been yeah. getting home till almost 11 some nights. Oh, uh, so, yeah, so you get, you're playing, uh, who is it, Captain Von Tramp or the no, Maria? I'm playing uh, Louisa. Oh, Louisa, that's right. Okay, I, I don't that. play Maria. Maria is an adult. <laughs> oh, I guess that would be awkward, wouldn't it? Yeah, and I, if I played Maria, I would have to kiss a dude your age. Ooh, gross. Okay, on we go. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't think you want that. <laughs> so, oh, that's uh, neat. And uh, so if you all have a community theater, you should check it out and support it, obviously. Yeah. Um because it's been really, really fun. So this does have a small connection to Christmas. I found actually two things that's connected to Christmas. Um, first of all, 
uh, there's the song. One of the songs you guys sing is the uh, my favorite things. My favorite things, which is becoming more and more considered to be a Christmas song for some reason. Um. Okay. I think but. I know why. Okay. T- enlighten so, us. So I'm getting a text. Hold on. Oh, okay. a text. Turn I'm so famous. So okay. I got a anyway, text. sorry. Gotta stop the <coughs> podcast. I got a text. <coughs> no. Um. <laughs> so. Oh. Uh, I think it might be considered a Christmas song because it sounds like it's taken place in winter, like snowflakes that fall on my nose and dye lashes, and like there's warm woolen mittens, mm. and there's like all kinds of things that just give me that winter vibe. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, jing- Jingle Bells my... doesn't have any mention of Christmas on it. In it, I don't. Uh, yeah. Jingle Bells doesn't. And Probably act- just because of it's like sleigh and like yeah. Jingle Bells. So, so it's just stuff. There's stuff in the song that's like associated with Christmas mm. or winter or something. I wouldn't say I really consider it a Christmas song or just like a wintry song. But mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, I would uh, I would consider it more like a wintry song, I guess. But, yeah. Um, but some of those count as Christmas songs. But uh, well, I also found out recently now you know the the von traps are we're a real family right right yeah. yeah um they have a really remarkable story um but then i found out uh i was listening to another christmas podcast uh tinsel tunes so scott and jay were talking about the song the little drummer boy and mm-hmm. i didn't realize this but the the von trap family had the first recording of uh, the Little Drummer Boy, and it was called like the Carol of the Drums or something. Oh, that's interesting. And you can actually hear the song on online. It's on YouTube, uh, just the audio. And I and I, uh, I I really like that. I mean, they sounded beautiful, but it's a little more fast paced than like the real Von Trapp family. Or like yeah, the no, the the real Von Trapp family. Yeah, yeah I, it's funny so to me because the oh, oh, I was gonna say it. So that's a, a that's a pretty big Christmas connection there. That right. They were the ones to first record that song. Yeah. Uh, and it sounds really great. Um, if, if, I'll have to play it for you yeah. <laughs> afterwards. It's but. funny for to me because in the like the real Von Trapp uh, family, aside from the movie, the, they didn't even use the characters' names. Oh. And, like, they switched around genders. Like, Liesel was a boy oh. in the Von Trapp family, not a girl like she is in the movie. And, and like, some of the characters had different names. Yeah, it was really weird because hmm. I think there was like Liesel, Friedrich, and Kurt were probably all boys, and then the other ones were girls. But their names weren't even always that. Like hmm. they switched some for the movie, and I'm like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, sometimes they do that, I guess. But, um, but. I, I think there were some other historical inaccuracies too. But, uh, but yeah, so uh, your mom, uh, Aaron, mm-hmm. uh, who's been on the show once. Uh-huh. as well um she's playing a nun uh, and seems to be having a lot of fun with that oh yeah uh, if don't the, get me started <laughs> if the uh, social media account is of any <laughs> indication <laughs> sounds like the, the nuns are a pretty fun group yeah she plays um one of the executive nuns it's not a huge role but she does have like speaking lines she mm. there's like all the different sisters of swag and stuff. <laughs> sisters of swag. So there's That's sister funny. Bertha, sister Margaret, and then sister Sophia, and she had sister Sophia. So she gets to hang out a lot with the executive nuns, and it kind of creates a bond with her and with me. I kind of have a bond with the Von Trapp children and like Marie, the per- lady who plays Maria, and the mm. dude who plays Captain Von Trapp because it's just you're around them a lot and it, you become really close and stuff. And now, like with the performance, we just have to like just. Yeah. There's a few things that we're still rusty on. Like one of our songs is very hard. Well, tonight's uh, opening night then. Yep. So I'm everything's terrified. ready. Yeah. It's one thing to do it for directors. It's another thing to do it in front of a whole audience. And I'm mm-hmm. really scared I'm going to forget my lines or something like that. Because I have probably, I'm going to just estimate here, probably around 15 lines, which isn't a lot, but it is for like, I'm just a long track child. And even though mm-hmm. I don't have a lot of lines, I just have so many scenes. I have to be in so many costumes, yada, yada, you know, like... Mm-hmm. So uh, it's very stressful. Um, and 
some dancing and singing and choreography. Choreography. That's it. Yeah. A lot of a lot, of, a lot of stuff. So. And it is terrifying because there's like stairs we have to go down, and there's in Do Re Mi we have to like jump in circles on the stairs, and I almost fall off every time because I wear heels, and I keep almost falling off the stairs. <laughs> well, I got they're so small. They're so small. I got to hear a little bit uh, or see a little bit of a sneak peek, and. Uh, boy, the lady playing Maria can sure hit those high notes. Oh, yeah. She's an opera singer. So. Wow. And she's mezzo-soprano. I it says it don't on know her. what that means, but it's that sounds like, impressive. <laughs> okay, so mezzo-soprano is like... There's usually in choirs, they separate it between soprano one, soprano two, alto one, alto two, tenor one, tenor two, bass one, bass two, mm. which basically means it gets lower and lower, you know? Mm -hmm. So... She can hit those high notes while being basically soprano too, which usually sings a little lower than soprano one does, which is, it's so cool to me. She just has such good range because she can also go really low mm. and she's just amazing at singing. Yeah. Oh no, she sounds really good. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, um, me too. It's going to be, it's going to be great. It's just going to be very nerve wracking. Any, any, um, any... Well, Nick, you're fine. Any uh, valuable lessons we can learn from the musical tonight? Um, okay, hold on. Let me think about this. Um, you have to work for it. Mm. Like, you can't just... You need to be confident, but you can't be too confident. Because then, sometimes people are too confident, and they think they sound amazing, and they don't. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. But, so like basically... Me singing in the shower. <laughs> you have to... Like, if you want to succeed, you have to be confident, and you have to work for it. Maybe be willing to step out and Yeah, and you have to be dedicated. It. And yeah. you, They're not going to choose you for something like this if you're hiding behind the curtain or if you're s super scared. You mm. know, you've got to be confident. But don't be s so confident that you're like, I'm the best here, blah, blah, blah. Because then was we had a person in the musical last year who was like that and she could not sing at all she was so off key in every song and i always stood right by her and oh, i no. kept <laughs> was so terrible thankfully she didn't do it this so the, the key here is to you have to be to, willing and to, dedicated to willing do and dedicated do it be confident but don't be arrogant yes yeah pretty much yeah. yeah and then you end up being a nice person if you're and just yeah. Honestly, have fun with it, too. Oh, that, I think that's the big key is have fun, yeah. Because if you're not having fun with something, why are you doing it? Good point. That was something I noticed last year in the Beauty and the Beast musical is you all are having a blast, and that definitely you can tell. So mm -hmm. I'm, I'm looking forward to it, even though Sound of Music is not my favorite movie. Yeah, I'm really okay. looking forward Hold to this. Hold on. Play, Another though. story about that. I'm sorry. I'm taking forever. But they were... Um, Pickwick, would you would you calm down so I, I can talk here? No. Okay, apparently <laughs> not. Fine. Anyway, another thing is things got a little emotional on our last practice because um, our director, he was talking about how Sound of Music wasn't his favorite either. Mm. And they were going to originally do something. I can't remember what it was, but there was no kids in it really. There was just all adults, and so we wouldn't even have gotten the chance to do it. But his mom ended up, like, passing away suddenly to, like, COVID, I think. Mm -hmm. And Sound of Music, the director's mom passed away, and Sound of Music was her favorite. So he decided to do Sound of Music instead. Like, it was a quick last-minute change. And it was so depressing. <laughs> that's and he's like, sweet, though. But he was like, and no tears. That's for Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> that's That's sweet. So yeah. this is going to be... Uh, in honor of his mom then so it's, that's it's been a lot of fun but it's been stressful because as it's gotten closer to it things have just gotten like we've had to like you know like they've been more tough on us which is mm -hmm. like like they first started fixing the big details because we get like notes every practice mm -hmm. and then we just like the smaller details like it gets smaller and smaller and i'm like can people even notice that sometimes you know <laughs> but you know but it's just been really fun and you it's just so good for your confidence being around people who are confident you kind of strive not to like you strive to be like them but you don't want to like copy them you just want to be have that confidence that they do and kind of be unafraid on stage because mm. that's kind of what you need like 
And remember, if you get scared, just picture yourself in your underwear. No, or... picture everyone in the audience in your oh. underwear. <laughs> that's what All they right. say. That's crazy. Picture yourself in your underwear kind of makes. That's oh. that would make me feel even more nervous to think about everyone in their underwear watching me yeah uh <laughs> all right um <laughs> well that's going on for her tonight by the time this episode comes out it will have been this past weekend another thing we get to do or got to do was we went to Bronner's, oh, yeah. the world's biggest christmas store I, I i kept saying does it ever end like so many times because i was like oh we gotta be getting close to the end now i see the back and then it was just more shelves of christmas stuff mm-hmm. and i was like does it end does it ever end like <laughs> like i i really liked it it was, it was i loved it too and it was very fun but it was just so big and it was yeah. like mesmerizing i was like whoa it was uh very christmasy even it was the end of june we were there but still it was a good christmas atmosphere it had Christmas music was playing. I want to um, go there during Christmas. Yeah, I want to go during Christmas, too. I, I hear it's crazy crowded, though. Our so cousins live there, too. My uh, fun. My plan would be to go sometime during the Christmas season. and I don't know when that's going to happen. Um, not have to worry about buying anything. I think that's going to be the key. like To go and just enjoy the atmosphere, but not be there because I have to buy Christmas presents. One of the things we didn't get to do while we were there is uh, we were going to go to the uh, to the cafeteria to try to get some Christmas cookies, but then by the time we got around to there, they had just closed like five minutes before. That was and really depressing. So, so that was sad. Also, they have, uh, I guess, the replica chapel of where Silent Night was first played, and we didn't see that either. Um, we just didn't have the time to get in there, so... I don't know, but I ended up buying quite a few things. Um, mm-hmm. He may got, have spent quite a bit of money. I, I, I did spend a little bit. I got a t-shirt, a coffee cup. He bought uh, me a teddy bear, as we, he should. We, we did get a teddy bear. It's a koala. And it was actually, they have like little sections for other holidays. I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure this was like in the Valentine section. It was a little koala. Mm-hmm. Because I don't have koalas yet. I don't really have any koalas. So I decided to get a koala because I don't have one. And he is holding a little heart. But one of the things I did pick up since we uh, couldn't get any cookies there, uh, they have different kinds of cookies uh, uh, on sale in the end caps and stuff. And so I got a, a tube of cookies. I don't know what else to call it. Christmas pudding biscuits. Yes. Uh, it's called Grandma Wild's 1899 Christmas Pudding Biscuits. Crumbly and, and spicy. I, this is the crumbly and spicy kind. Oh, that um, sounds scary. And it was even on clearance. But thank you to uh, some of our generous donors. I was able to use some of that money to get a little supply of Christmas cookies. So we're going to try the crumbly and spicy kind today. Uh, I don't like spicy food. Man. First of all, uh, let's pop off the lid. ASMR. And uh, let's see, take a whiff, see if you can smell anything Ooh, in there. This smells like cat. It appears somebody has already eaten them. Tried them already. Um, bad. Oh, they smell so good. They smell kind of like apple cinnamon. Yeah, they they almost smell a little bit like the uh, apple cinnamon kind of flavor. They are very crumbly. These taste kind of like a spicy gingerbread. Yeah, what does this remind me of? And there's something inside of them. I'm not sure little, what. Like little... Little... Raisin thing? I, I thought they were raisins, but they don't taste like it. They're like a little chewy candy thing or something i don't know i like soft um, cookies though so these aren't like my favorite. yeah i i also like softer cookies but um let's see looking at the ingredients uh there's sugar oats currants oh i think those are currants we see which are kind of a like a raisin but not really a uh, the spice flavors are like uh Cinnamon, ginger, cardamom, cloves, nutmeg, that kind of stuff. Um, uh, may contain traces of eggs, soy, peanuts, tree nuts, sesame, and it's made in England, apparently. Yeah, because they're little biscuit things. Mm. I'm a soft cookie person. So is that a no for you? It's fine. Like, it's mm. not, it's fine. Like I like the taste. I just don't like the crunch. So mm. it's a personal preference thing. The cookies have an excellent crunch. So, uh, to confess, I already got into these a couple days ago. Bad. Had a couple with my coffee, and they're really good with coffee. 10 out of 10, would highly recommend. Five cups of eggnog. 
These are good. I saw a poll on YouTube, which it was like, which beverage would you get rid of? Like, what if one had to mm. go? And it was like coffee, tea, soda, or juice. So I picked tea because I hate tea. It's disgusting. Like, I don't like tea. Like, hot tea is gross. It just tastes like I'm drinking hot water. Mm. And so, but the most voted one was coffee. How do you get rid of coffee, dude? Keeps half the people on the planet awake. And keeps the other half from killing the other half. Yeah. Hmm. I was expecting, like, tea or juice, but nope. So, those of you in England can correct me if I'm wrong, but in England, a biscuit is basically a cookie, right? Yes. And then pudding is not like the pudding we would imagine in America, but I think it's just a, a name for dessert. Oh, because I was like expecting there to like be pudding in the cookies or something. Yeah. And I was like, ugh. It's just the term they use for a dessert of any kind, not necessarily pudding, like we would think of it. I think. Do you uh, want me? Do you want me to speak in a British accent for you? <laughs> oh. Um, <laughs> wow. <laughs> no. <laughs> yes. Are you guys from London? Uh, I can't talk. Hello, hello. I'm speaking with a British accent. I am. No, you're not. Pip, pip. Frosted flakes. All the people from London, I'm trying my hardest here, so tell me if I'm doing a good job. Okay. <laughs> I'm probably not, but it's fine. <laughs> probably not. I'm like not pronouncing O's right, I don't feel like. Pronounce. It's, it's, I fine, watched it's a, fine, it's fine. I watched a video once about how to speak in a British accent because I was reading a story on a podcast. I've been reading stories on my podcast and I want to try to do better at the accents, but right. it's tricky. Uh, but there's actually helpful videos out there for you, so... Um, so for all of the stories I read with atrocious accents, I apologize. I feel like my British accent <laughs> is more a mix of Australian and stuff like that. Yeah. Australian and British just kind of... No, I can't stop. That reminds me one time I was reading to the boys. It might have been Harry Potter. And I decided to start reading like Kermit the Frog. Oh. And I did a pretty passable Kermit the Frog voice. Do it. It's funny. He's but really then. Couldn't stop doing it. Like, it, my voice got stuck as Kermit. I kept trying to read Harry Potter, and, and I couldn't snap out of the Kermit voice Do it. for, like, five minutes. So. It's so funny. Your Kermit the Frog impression is really good. Yes, I'm Kermit the Frog, and I like to listen to the Cozy Christmas Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Yay! That's actually really legit. Well, um... <laughs> That's Thank you, uh, imaginary listener that sounds like Kermit the Frog. <laughs> I don't really have any good impressions. Oh, so. um, I used to be able to do Gonzo pretty good, but he's really rough on my voice. Yeah, so don't I, I, I haven't been able to do him for a while. There is only one more sleep till Christmas. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> or... Are you okay? Are you okay there? Hmm? It's so silly. Alrighty. Well, Piggy. I wish I could do Miss Piggy's voice. That that would be awesome. Uh, maybe I'll have to work on it. Alright. Well, that brings us to our end here. Yeah, we've been recording for a um, while now. <laughs> so, stay tuned because up next I have an original Christmas story. Wait, you uh, wrote it? No. Uh, it was written by Nat Bickle. You all stick around for the story and... I'm going to finish up eating these cookies, I think. Say goodbye, Gracie. <laughs> okay, bye. All right, like I said, our story today is the world premiere of The Adventures of Phoebe's Christmas Dwarf by Nat Bickle. Again, we know Nat. She's a good friend of the show, um, has been a huge supporter of our podcast, and I was just so grateful to be able to try to help and support her in her writing endeavors. Yeah, she reached out to me a little while ago and, and mentioned that she was getting a, a new short story published in a collection. And so then I asked if, if she'd be able to read that for an upcoming episode. Anyway, long story short, she checked with her publishers. They gave her permission to do it. And I am so grateful to them. The collection it's going to appear in is called Once Upon a Christmas, and it's being published by Touchpoint Press. A bit about the book from their website, it says our forthcoming Christmas anthology will be released November 2022, and it will be a book containing wholesome stories that inspire, 
instill kindness and hope, and contain a sense of togetherness and community. And then uh, Nat tells us what her story will be about. And she says, This Christmas would be vastly different for Montana shoemaker Marty Winthrop. Instead of casually delighting in the local tea rooms and reading adventure-packed books by the cozy light of his fireplace, Marty was leaving the state for the first time. The only person who could get him to leave was his niece, Phoebe. With her only wish this Christmas to meet Marty, he couldn't resist. In the rush of changing plans, he forgot a present. But the last-minute one he ends up settling for turns out to be better than his wildest imagination. So Nat and I would invite you to sit in your favorite chair, grab a cup of your favorite Christmas beverage, and settle in by the Christmas fire as we enjoy The Adventures of Phoebe's Christmas Dwarf. Written and read by Nat Bickle. Today marked the last driveway Marty would shovel. His flight to Illinois was tomorrow morning and he had met almost every neighbor since he shifted his Christmas plans at the start of December. He would make it to his sister's house on December 24th, Christmas Eve, and just in time to grant Phoebe's only wish. The last bit of snow gathered in the blade of the shovel, his shoulders aching at the weight of the conglomerate of what he liked to think of as powdered sugar. His stomach growled from his daydream of endless donuts. Dumping the last heap to the side, he salted the end of the driveway, finishing the job. As the setting sun glinted off of it, the same sparkle showed in his own eye. He collected his payment and began the cold walk home when a panicked thought struck him. He hadn't even purchased a gift for little Phoebe. Sure, his niece's only wish was to see him, but if he came empty-handed, it would come across as thoughtless, especially to his sister and her husband. A block away from his home, he noticed a dim light still shone in the window of a local hardware shop that doubled as a woodworking business. Marty turned the doorknob, but it was locked. Calvin, the owner, walked out from the back of the store, peering through the window. Marty had mended many work boots for Calvin, and recognition immediately showed on his face. He unlocked the door, greeting Marty as he shivered from the cold. What can I help you with, Marty? Calvin asked, looking past him at the empty, snow-covered streets. Technically, we're closed, seeing tomorrow's Christmas Eve, and most people are at home with their families, Calvin said, distracted by Marty's dirt and slush-coated ski pants. Say, what's a shoemaker doing out in the snow, and at this time of evening? Just finishing up some side jobs, shoveling driveways, trying to get to my niece for Christmas, Marty said, peeling off his gloves. I know this is last minute, but is there anything in your shop a six-year-old would like? Marty, you're asking a hardware store owner for a gift for a six-year-old girl? Calvin replied, chuckling. It sounds awful, but I completely forgot about a gift. I've been so focused on getting to her that the thought never crossed my mind. I'm desperate. Maybe a gardening trinket? Marty replayed the small, high-pitched, faint voice he heard on the phone and felt a sense of urgency. We mostly have gardening tools, Calvin trailed off as he put up a finger and walked towards the back of the store to the workshop. Calvin walked down an aisle, passing nails, wrenches, and pausing at a bucket, trying to think of some sort of use a six-year-old would have for it before he continued into the workshop. Marty waited while sounds of rummaging echoed throughout. What about this? Calvin asked, holding up what looked like a deranged elf. What is it? A look of displeasure covered Marty's face. The other day, an elderly man dropped this off, along with blueprints of a doghouse for his first pup. He mentioned that he worked for a toy factory in town, and whenever a toy doesn't come out perfect, it's good luck. This here is a good luck dwarf. If you look closely, one of his ears is bigger than the other. Instead of tossing him and others who turn out similarly, he gives them to people in hopes the luck will live on, Calvin finished. Marty stared at the somewhat misshapen dwarf, noticing the ugly yet eccentric nature of the toy. One ear did look much bigger than the other, but he thought maybe Phoebe would find him cute, something to add to her collection of toys he assumed she had. Maybe she wouldn't even play with him, but at least he wouldn't walk into Alex and Norby's home empty-handed. I'll take him, Marty said, placing the dwarf in his coat pocket, handing over a few bills, thanking Calvin, and heading back out into the night, ready to get some sleep before his flight the next morning. Marty buckled his seatbelt while the flight attendant motioned to the exit doors. He took note of the potential escape route he would need to take, nerves creeping in from the shock of his first flight. The engine started to grow louder as the plane geared up for its ascent. Marty leaned his head back against the seat and closed his eyes. The plane grew in speed until it was finally safe enough for the pilot to pull back on the yoke and lift off. It reminded him of himself. He'd never gone fast a day in his life, always slowing things down and pulling back if they got too much momentum. 
Marty Winthrop was a shoemaker by trade, or as the locals called him, a shoe healer. His father had taught him when he was only 16, and he'd fallen in love with renewing belovedly worn shoes in the heart of Montana. He often asked his customers the journeys they'd been on while wearing their boots, moccasins, dress shoes, or sandals. He lived vicariously through their explorations, making the mending process a journey in itself. Breathing new life into the adventure-filled souls was his passion, prolonging the spirit of exploration within each pair. With his craft presenting him with wealthy customers and a steady income, Marty lived comfortably and mostly at home. His shop was a walkable distance from his bungalow that held a fireplace and a library stashed with reckless stories of sacrifice, abandon, and free will. He had a safe space both at work and at home and never felt the need to venture out other than to delight in the local restaurants and tea rooms. His purpose for shoveling driveways was twofold. It helped him bring in extra cash for the trip, but more so it allowed Marty to practice getting out more. It was finally time for him to take his own adventure rather than reading about one with the momentum of his life in full gear for once, awakening him from his Montana slumber. Now the views of the clouds eased his mind. They were dreamlike, relaxing him to a merely physical state of sleep. The four hour nap was just what he needed since he hadn't slept much the night before. A combination of nerves and the last minute decision to craft something together to add to Phoebe's gift. The landing seemed less significant than the takeoff, maybe because Marty was suddenly filled with excitement to meet his niece. The shoe prints from Marty's boots lined his sister's driveway as he thought about their conversation on the phone that got him here, so far from home. Norvie moved out when she was 18 and in love. Alex had stolen her heart, and with his first job taking him to Illinois, Norvi saw no choice but to leave and change her name from Winthrop to Winkler. Their father had expected her to become Marty's assistant in the family business, but her opposing free spirit had other plans. They hadn't spoken in years, and Marty was starting to feel nervous as he approached her home. He knew his niece had been born, but having never left the state of Montana, and his sister not seeing the need to visit after their parents passed, he had yet to meet her. His glove-covered fist connected to the front door of his sister's house three times the knocks reverberating throughout the unfamiliar home. He could see Norvi's face morphed by the privacy window pane on the door. Marty, you made it, she exclaimed as she emerged, hugging her brother more emphatically than he expected, snow trailing through her hair. Come in, come in, she said, shivering. Alex walked into the foyer just as Marty shut the door behind him and rolled his luggage to the side. Marty, it's been such a long time, he said, opening his arms. Hey, Al, Marty responded, happily surprised by another warm greeting. She's in by the tree, Alex noticed Marty's expectant gaze as he motioned to the living room. As he walked through to the next room, he was enthralled by the tree's beauty and twinkling lights, the only source lighting the space. With the leather stockings he'd made years ago hanging on the mantel and the festive decorations carefully placed throughout, the room felt reminiscent of their parents' house at Christmas. His eyes traced over an old family photo on an end table next to the couch when he realized he was in the presence of his little niece. Phoebe, asleep on the couch, from what he could tell, was equally comforted by the peaceful ambiance and dim light of the tree. The dog that was curled up next to her legs awoke before she did, greeting the uncle with sleep-coated barks and excited whimpers. She rubbed her eyes as she sat up, slowly awakening with the commotion. Making eye contact for the first time, Marty looked at Phoebe, taking in her face, mirroring that of his sister's. She blinked a few times, and just as Marty opened his mouth to introduce himself, a smile overtook her face. Its crooked nature reminded him of his own. You're my Uncle Marty, she squealed as she jumped up from the couch and hugged his legs. You're a lot taller than my mom, she said, looking at the man she'd only heard about and seen in photos until now. Marty squatted down to her level and opened his arms. Here, he said, now I can hug you back. She rushed into his arms with a giggle. When she pulled away, Marty reached for his shoulder bag, unlatching it to reveal his gift. Phoebe, I wanted to bring you a Christmas gift, he said, disappointed in his last minute find. Now it's not much, but I want you to know it's very special. Phoebe slowly reached out her hands, taking the oddly shaped wrapped package from him. She looked at her parents who were both smiling behind him as she sat next to the tree to open it. She was very careful, tearing small pieces off at a time. Marty held his breath until finally the dwarf was revealed. Phoebe gasped, her eyebrows creasing in what looked like fear and confusion. Don't be frightened. This isn't just any dwarf. He's a magical dwarf, Marty said, inching closer to her by the tree. 
Phoebe looked at her uncle, her face unchanging before shifting her sight back to the dwarf in her hands. Sitting next to her now, Marty put his hand under hers. You see his ears? He asked. Phoebe nodded. One is bigger than the other. Normally dwarves have ears that match, but this one doesn't, and that's what makes him special. Some say he may even be magical. With that last word, Phoebe looked up into her uncle's eyes, a little spark of wonder igniting. Well, his ears and his shoes, Marty corrected. You see, I make shoes for people. Sometimes they even bring me their old shoes that have holes in them for me to fix. I mend them so they can go do amazing things like climb mountains, march for freedom, and explore the world. He paused, making sure his niece was still interested. Her thumb traced over the leather shoes Marty had added to the dwarf with adhesive, while the family dog nudged his way in, sniffing the new strange toy. I thought red leather shoes sounded like something not only a special Christmas dwarf would wear, but something a very special niece would wear too. With that, Marty rummaged in his bag once more, pulling out a matching pair for Phoebe. She carefully set the dwarf down, her crooked smile returning as she took the shoes from her uncle. Will you put them on, Mama? She asked Norby. Of course, her mother said, tightening the laces before tying them in little bows. They're perfect, Marty, thank you. Norvi rubbed her brother's shoulder an affection he wasn't used to, stirring up unexpected feelings of nostalgia as the three of them sat under the tree together. Can I wear them to the ball? Phoebe asked, her eyes shifting to her dad's. Sure, they'll go with your green dress, Alex said, turning his attention to Marty. I don't know if Norvi mentioned it, but my company's putting on a Yule ball. I thought it might be fun for all of us to go. Oh, well, I didn't plan on getting dressed up. I only brought my day clothes, Marty hesitantly protested, as Phoebe watched her feet wiggle in the new shoes under the lights of the tree. Not to worry, Al has some dress clothes that would fit you just fine, Norvi said. It's tonight. Do you think you'll be up for it? She asked, hope filling her voice. I'd love to, Marty said after a deep breath, looking his sister in the eyes, wondering why he'd waited so long to feel the love of family again. It surprised him how much he missed her, with forgotten memories of camaraderie and laughter suddenly resurfacing. Phoebe raced up the stairs to her bedroom to get changed for the ball. Her velvet green dress lay on her bed, freshly pressed and waiting for her. She set her new toy down beside it and picked up the dress, turning to study herself in the mirror. She thought about what her uncle said, about how she was a special niece. Am I really that special? She thought as she looked from the dress to herself. She smiled at her reflection, noticing the dimple that appeared on one side of her face. She quickly adjusted her lips back to a straight line, remembering the cruel things her classmates had said to her. That one side of her face was fatter than the other. The dimples only happen to people who eat too much. She looked behind her at the dwarf resting on the comforter and remembered his uneven ears. Phoebe swapped out the dress for the dwarf, looking at him in the mirror next to her. Suddenly, he seemed much cuter than before, with the brilliant blue of his eyes catching her attention. If a dwarf that has weird ears can be special, then so can I, Phoebe said the smile and dimple simultaneously returning to her cherub-like face. As she looked at her own reflection, she thought she saw the dwarf nod in agreement out of the corner of her eye. Phoebe, it's almost time to go! She heard her mother yell up the stairs, shoving the previous thought out of Phoebe's mind. Quickly, she put the dress on over her head and searched deep within her closet. She frantically pulled out shoes, toys, and treasures she'd previously hidden like rocks from the neighbor's garden. Starting to sweat, she finally saw what she was looking for. Here, she exclaimed, crawling backwards out of the closet. You can come with me tonight, she said to the dwarf, placing him in a small burlap shoulder bag before heading down the stairs to join the rest of her family. But he didn't quite fit in the small pouch, his hat poking through the opening. You look beautiful, Uncle Marty said to Phoebe. Norvi looked at her daughter, noticing her red cheeks and the bag thrown over her shoulder that comically reminded her of Santa's sack. Phoebe, how did you get all sweaty and why are you taking that bag? It's my special purse for tonight. I thought it looked pretty with my dress, Phoebe bluffed, covering it as best she could with her coat, knowing that her mother wouldn't allow her to take the dwarf any other way. Norvi looked from Uncle Marty back to Phoebe, deciding not to fight her on this one since it was a special occasion. They might get a few odd looks from Alex's co-workers, but her brother was here, and that mattered more than sending Phoebe into a potential fit. The four of them left the house and began to walk down the street, the snow falling around them as they headed for the L train. It wasn't too far from the house, and while cold, the evening presented a magical undertone accentuated by the snowfall. Phoebe's new shoes looked so bright contrasted against the white ground. She watched the white flakes dot them as she held Uncle Marty's hand. Tripping on an uneven wedge in the sidewalk covered by snow, Marty squeezed her hand tighter, keeping her from falling. Close one, she said, beaming up at him when her bag started to shift. 
She pulled it to the front of her, noticing that not just the dwarf's hat was showing, but his eyes too. Get back in there, she whispered, worried that he'd fall into the sidewalk like she almost did. She gently pushed him back down, but it felt almost like he was pushing against her. She looked down again, and with a wink, he slid down into the bag. She gasped. You okay, honey? Alex asked, turning to see Uncle Marty and Phoebe walking a few paces behind. Yeah, she said. I was just looking at the church lights over there, she exclaimed, trying to deflect the conversation. They are breathtaking, Alex said, taking in the scene for himself. Say, Norvi, how's work been going? Marty asked, putting in an effort to catch up with his sister while also spending time with his niece. She turned over her shoulder at him, a mixture of surprise and delight dancing across her face as she answered him. The family made it to the train, the busy city streets bustling with people going from this holiday festivity to that family gathering. Marty gripped Phoebe's hand tighter as the crowd grew. It was all Phoebe could do to keep up. She felt like she was going to start flying if her feet moved any faster, the red shoes now a blur. Suddenly, her bag shifted again. She tried to peek at the dwarf, but she had to keep her eyes ahead to keep up with her parents. A few people pushed past her, rubbing against her bag. She couldn't be sure if the dwarf was moving or if it was her imagination, but suddenly her bag seemed lighter. Phoebe slid her hand under her coat to check. It was empty. Out of the corner of her eye, she saw it. The dwarf had jumped from her bag. He was suddenly moving like he was alive. Without a second thought, Phoebe let go of Marty's hand. Her eyes were glued on the dwarf as he stuck the landing. He looked back at her, motioning for her to follow him as his tiny legs moved quickly, forcing Phoebe into a jog to keep up. He turned a corner, the street opening up to a display of trees, lights perfectly tangled in their branches. Phoebe saw that she was going to catch up to him and slowed her pace to take in the scene. The dwarf had stopped close to the grassy area that housed the leafless birches as she took a step next to him away from the bustling sidewalks now behind them. He reached up and placed his tiny ceramic hand in hers as they watched the lights twinkle. You're alive, she said, beginning to kneel, getting on the dwarf's level, the same way her uncle had when they met earlier that evening. The dwarf nodded. Phoebe watched intently as he smiled at her, putting his hand in her dimple. She put her hand on top of his, unbelieving that she'd made such an unusual friend. The dwarf lifted his other hand, extending one finger. Phoebe followed his gaze to a nearby bench. A woman was sitting alone. She looked back at the dwarf, who put his hand on his chest where his heart would be. What is it? Phoebe asked. She barely got out the words when a tall woman dressed for what could be a Christmas party at the Ritz-Carlton almost tripped over Phoebe. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't see you there, honey. Are you okay? The woman asked. Phoebe looked down at the dwarf, who had stiffened, standing motionless like when she'd unwrapped him. Except now he had one finger over his mouth, exemplifying a shush. She uttered the words, I think so. The fashionable woman stood there a while longer for her own reassurance before hurrying off. Phoebe looked quizzically at the dwarf as he began motioning again, now frantically. She wondered why he'd stopped when the woman came by, thinking her mind was starting to play tricks on her. He was moving, after all, a toy come to life, and yet nothing had felt as real as this. The dwarf wrapped his arms around one of Phoebe's legs in a hug and then pointed back to the bench. He did this a couple of times before she understood. You want to hug that woman? Phoebe's wondering thoughts subdued, replaced by the urgency coming from her unlikely Christmas present. The dwarf shook his head and pointed at Phoebe, then hugged her leg once more, then pointed at the bench. You want me to go hug her? She asked, her voice louder and lined with confusion. The dwarf nodded and began to gently push her in that direction. But I don't know her, Phoebe said, staying put. She picked up the dwarf and held him in her hands, admiring his sweet nature. He put one of his little hands on hers and smiled at her. Even though his glass-like hands were hard, she could feel the warmth of his heart. She hugged him before setting him back down. I think you're my favorite Christmas present. The toy held her gaze for a moment, their matching joy reflected in each other's expressions, before he tried his best to push her towards the bench again, but Phoebe wouldn't budge. He knew she would follow him, so he took off running in the direction of the woman. Wait! Phoebe screamed, chasing after him. She tried to catch up, but not before the dwarf was swiftly kicked by a city walker. The sound of broken glass erupted in Phoebe's ears. No! She ran over to what used to be her dwarf. She smugly picked up his pieces, tears stinging the back of her eyes. Marty was suddenly beside her. Phoebe, I thought I'd lost you. What happened? He asked, confused. The dwarf jumped out of my bag, Phoebe said, wiping away a tear. She heard someone else crying, too. She looked up to see the woman the dwarf motioned to, all alone on the bench. The only companion she had was a dog sitting next to her, which looked a lot like Phoebe's dog. Phoebe paused in her own sad state before she took the broken dwarf in her hands and walked over to the woman. What's wrong? She asked. Oh, hello, sweetheart. I'm okay, 
the woman said, trying to control her sobs. But you're crying, Phoebe pried. While my son wasn't able to come home for Christmas, I couldn't wait to see his bright blue eyes, those eyes that have so much love in them, and now I'll have to wait until next year. She paused to wipe away a stream of tears. I decided to take a walk to get my mind off of it, but I couldn't see because I couldn't stop crying. So I thought I'd take a break here and get all the sadness out before I started again. Phoebe felt sad too, not only for her broken dwarf, but now also for the woman who wouldn't get to see her son. This must be why the dwarf so badly wanted Phoebe to give her a hug. She looked down at her beloved toy and noticed a portion of his broken face that showed a blue eye. She picked up the piece of porcelain and handed it to the woman. The woman reached down to meet Phoebe's small hand. What's this? she asked. It's a beautiful blue eye, Phoebe said, her heart suddenly beating quickly as if it was applauding her, and an overwhelming sense of love filled her. Oh my, the woman said, looking past the piece of dwarf directly at Phoebe. Dear, you look radiant, she said. Phoebe smiled and pulled at the ends of her dress about ready to explain to her that they were headed to a ball when she saw that her dress was sparkling. It was as if a thousand diamonds had been added to it. Phoebe, what are you doing? Norby asked as she ran towards the bench with Alex trailing right behind her. We thought we lost you, Alex exclaimed as Marty and Phoebe turned to meet them. I found her. Everything's okay. Marty comforted his sister, which felt oddly easy after all these years. We had an accident with the dwarf he said, but his mind replayed how Phoebe spoke to the woman, speechless at what he'd seen. So that's what was in the bag, Norby started to say. The rush of trying to find Phoebe had her perplexed. All the while, the start of the ball was creeping closer. I'm so sorry about the dwarf, Marty. Come on, let's get to the train, Norby said, taking one of Phoebe's hands into her own. Phoebe shoved the remains of her dwarf into her burlap sack as they headed back towards the train. She meant to hug the woman as the dwarf wished, but thought his eye had done just as much as a hug would have, and maybe even more. She longed for him to come back to life, saddened by the friendship that had ended before it truly started. Merry Christmas, sweetheart, the woman from the bench yelled, admiring the odd gift given to her by a stranger. Phoebe waved at the woman with her one free hand before she was out of sight, immersed into the crowded streets. The train always felt much faster to Phoebe than the actual pace at which it was moving. She watched out the window as the snow blew past, looking more like lines of white than individual flakes, the speed tricking her eyes to see a blizzard rather than a gentle, steady snowfall. Uncle Marty, watch! She yelled, even though her uncle was sitting directly next to her. He turned his attention to her as she exhaled onto the window, creating a cloud of breath that she drew a snowman onto with a finger. You're a pretty impressive artist, Marty said as he giggled. He noticed her dimple. Hey, we have the same smile he said, pointing to his own dimple that only appeared when he showcased the widest of grins. Phoebe hung her head. It's not a good smile. Marty, confused by her sudden sullen nature, lifted her chin. He met her eyes. Who told you that? Some people at school. They said only fat people have dimples. She sat there playing with her gloves in her lap when she quickly turned to Marty in realization. Hey, but you're not fat, she said, looking at her uncle. Whoever said that was probably just jealous that your smile is so cute. Dimples add character. They add something interesting to your face. Not everyone has them, so that makes them special. You know, they're kind of like freckles, but they stay there even in the winter, Marty said. What makes them so special? Phoebe asked. Do you remember when you were little and you smiled at your grandparents? Marty asked, thinking about his parents and the stories they told him. Yeah. Did they ever squeeze your cheek? Sometimes grandma did it too hard, Phoebe said, rubbing her cheek. Well, I think those of us that have dimples had our cheeks squeezed by God. It's like he left a fingerprint on our faces. It's hard not to squeeze a cheek with a dimple because, well, it's the perfect spot for a thumb to fit whenever you squeeze it. It feels like love. I like that we match, Phoebe said. You know, we also have last names that start with the same letter, Marty added. Your name starts with a W too? Phoebe yelled in disbelief. Yep, Winthrop. Your mom's name used to be that too until she married your dad. She took his name Winkler after that. Winkler reminds me of something. Uncle Marty, did you notice the dwarf earlier? Did you see him move? Phoebe was whispering now. Marty watched her eyes light up as she talked about her present. Phoebe, I'm sorry, I didn't see him move. I was terrified trying to find you. Then I heard you scream and that's when I saw him shattered on the sidewalk. Well, I think he was alive. Earlier, I even saw him wink at me. When was this? Marty amused her. When I tripped on the sidewalk, I looked down to make sure he was still tucked in my bag, and his eyes were out, like he was watching where we were going. Before I pushed him back inside my bag, he winked at me. Wow, 
Well, I knew he was a special dwarf. I guess I just didn't know how special, Marty said, enjoying listening to the make-believe world his niece was creating. He couldn't believe she loved the last-minute gift so much. As Phoebe sat pondering her dwarf and replaying the wink, she started to wonder again if she'd imagined the whole thing. But she remembered the feeling of him hugging her leg. A little saddened, she focused her attention back to the blizzard-like snow when a small sound came from under her seat. She folded in half to look below and noticed that her bag had started to move backwards with the motion of the train. It had fallen two seats behind them. Panicked, she got up from her seat to grab it. I'll be right back, she said to Marty, who thought she was going to talk to her parents who were seated back behind them. Once out of sight, Phoebe got on her hands and knees to find her bag. It had shifted two more seats farther back. Finally, it stopped, the handle catching on a metal pole of a chair. She quickly made her way back up to standing and ran to its location. Excuse me, she said to a young boy about her age, sitting in the seat her bag was under. My bag is under your chair. It slid down the train, she said. Let me check, the boy said unsure. He bent over and saw the burlap bag resting under the chair in between his worn-through dress shoes. Here it is, he yelled as he pulled it out from under his seat, a piece of the dwarf fell into his lap. Here you go, he hesitantly said, looking down at the broken leg and red shoe. He picked it up with his other hand, examining it. Uh, what's this? He asked. Sorry, that's a piece of my Christmas present from my uncle. He brought me a magical dwarf, and he makes shoes, so he put new ones on it. But he broke. Your uncle makes shoes? So does my dad. Whoa, really? Well, he did. Died last year. These shoes actually remind me of some he made for my sister, the boy said, lowering his head, rubbing the red leather shoe for comfort. Phoebe studied him, remembering how much the dwarf meant to the woman on the bench. She replied, Why don't you keep it? What? The boy's eyes lit up, their sadness mostly gone. I know it's kind of a weird gift, being a broken leg and all, but maybe it can remind you of your dad and the beautiful shoes he made. Wow, thanks, he said, admiring the little shoe, then directing his attention back to Phoebe. Wait, was your hair like that before? He asked. Phoebe looked at the window, seeing her faint but breathtaking reflection. Her hair was no longer straight and resting at her shoulders, but in a bun with curls tracing her face. Whoa, she whispered as the boy quizzically watched her. Phoebe, is that you? Alex asked a few seats farther back. Hey, Dad, she said. Why aren't you in your seat with Uncle Marty? My bag got lost, so I had to find it, she said as Alex walked to meet her. Come on, let's get you back to your seat. You can't just wander around on a train. It can be dangerous, Alex warned. As he walked her back, he noticed Marty had taken a seat next to Norby, the two of them laughing. His irritation with Phoebe subsided, replaced with happiness for his wife. Phoebe glanced one last time over at the boy who was handing over the dwarf's leg with the little red shoe to who she assumed was his sister. The small girl giggled while studying it. Phoebe smiled, but before she moved back to her seat, noticed the boy's shoes. They were no longer tattered and old, but shiny and new. He followed Phoebe's line of sight as they looked at each other, sharing in the mysterious magic of the moment. Feeling extra confident with her sparkly dress and fancy hair, Phoebe was most excited for the ball. She held Uncle Marty's hand as they entered the grand ballroom. Strings of lights hung from the ceiling, wrapping around columns and twinkling across the floor, the reflection making those who were dancing appear to be floating. She suddenly noticed Marty's hand begin to sweat. Uncle Marty, your hand is a bit clammy, she said, slowly removing hers from it. Marty smiled down at her, but not with a smile that sported his dimple. It was a brief grin that quickly made its way back to a straight-faced posture. Uncle Marty watched a beautiful woman from across the room beaming while she talked with those around her. Watching him, Phoebe dug into her bag, sifting through the broken remains of her dwarf. Here, she said, instead of holding Marty's hand, she placed the little dwarf's hand into his. What's this for? Marty asked. Uncle Marty, you gave me a magical dwarf. He could move, I swear. Now that he's broken, he's making other people happy. I think his secret is that you have to give him away to someone else. Marty listened to her six-year-old reasoning. I think if you give his hand to someone who needs it, he'll give you something you want too. Phoebe, that's very generous of you, but I'm not sure who would need a broken dwarf hand. He said, seeing his sister by herself while Al talked with his coworkers. Maybe you have a point, he reconsidered. I'll be right back. He left Phoebe next to Alex, thumbing the tiny dwarf hand in his. Are you doing okay? Marty asked a question he hadn't asked his sister since they were kids. Norby had always been independent, proving her strength at any chance she could when they were teenagers. Marty, I don't understand. Don't understand what, Norby? I don't understand how it's taken us this long to reunite. Marty paused, saddened by the distance and silence they'd allowed into their lives. I mean this in the best way possible, he paused. I didn't realize how much I missed you. Norvi laughed. To answer your question, I don't think either of us saw it as a necessity. 
I know we're family, but we're also really strong people by ourselves. We know how to survive on our own. Our parents instilled that within us, you know? I know, you're right. I just didn't realize how much I'd miss you either. I knew Phoebe would love you, but seeing how much she loves you makes me wish I'd kept in touch. Me too, Marty said, slowly opening his hand, presenting her with the tiny hand of the dwarf. Take this. Set it somewhere you'll see every so often. Then when you do, give me a call or write me. It'll be a reminder. Norvi grinned, audibly laughing at the ridiculous yet meaningful gesture. I'm sorry Phoebe broke your gift, she said, taking it from him. That's okay. I didn't expect her to find so much joy in it. Oddly, I think she might like it better now that it's broken, he said, chuckling. Here, Norvi said as she pulled a bobby pin from her hair. This can be your reminder to do the same for me. Marty nodded, placing the pin in his pocket when he felt a tap on his shoulder. He turned around, suddenly face to face with the woman he'd seen earlier. Hi, I'm Maria. Would you like to dance? She asked. Marty introduced himself as he confidently walked her to the center of the room. The start of the next song began and he moved with ease like he'd never done before. He felt like one of the main characters in his books, a strong man who'd climbed mountains, founded cities, and fell in love. As he twirled Maria, he saw Phoebe out of the corner of his eye. She winked at him before looking back at her mom, who was studying the little hand of the dwarf. The last song played, and Alex, Norvi, Phoebe, and Marty all gathered together to dance as a family. They spun each other, laughter filling their lungs. When the song came to a close, little Phoebe pulled on Marty's coattails. He bent down as she whispered, If this is what Christmas Eve is like with an uncle, I can't wait for tomorrow. Christmas morning was filled with the scent of sweet bread, the sound of Phoebe's laughter interspersed with holiday tunes and feelings of joy. Suddenly, time moved by too quickly with Marty packed to head back home. As he gave his last goodbyes, he shut the door behind him standing on the porch. Marty took a moment and looked down at his shoes, the shoes that had once only seen his town in Montana, the shop where he worked, nearby cafes and libraries. Now they'd been to an entirely different state and on several adventures with his niece. He couldn't wait until next year when he promised himself and her to take multiple trips to see her, becoming more like his books, his customers, and who he longed to be. His next steps felt different as they led him to the car that was waiting to take him to the airport. Marty nearly missed his plane due to the ample amount of goodbye hugs he'd given to Phoebe, happily pushing his departure to the last minute. Quickly showing the attendant his boarding pass, it was time for his second flight. He knew this one would be different from the first, not just because he was headed back home, but because he recognized a beautiful woman seated on the left, looking out the window, whose name he could never forget. One year later. Oh, Marty, come on in, Norvi said, swinging the door wide as she made her way back into her house through the chaos. She had promised Phoebe's class she'd hold choir lessons at her house, the last lesson being on Christmas Eve, the day of their big show. Marty was excited about the new adventure the family would embark upon this year, now including another member, Maria. Phoebe ran past Uncle Marty, tripping on his suitcase and quickly uttering an apology as she rushed to help her mother. Marty was surprised his niece didn't greet him like usual on his quarterly visits when he paused and slowly walked back to where he was standing. She looked at his bearded face, the stubble had grown quickly over the last few months, and blinked with recognition sweeping across her face. Oh, I know you! Merry Christmas, Uncle Marty! She exclaimed, jumping into his arms. Uncle Marty, I wanted to show you something. She dug into the pocket of her dress, pulling out the last remaining piece of the dwarf, a piece of his face containing one of his blue eyes. Marty reached down as she placed it in his hand, her small hand tracing its outline. The one eye winked, a simultaneous gasp filled both her and her uncle with wonder as they looked at the broken, magical Christmas dwarf. The End What an absolutely charming story that was. And I am looking forward to getting this book this fall. And I'll leave any information I can find in the show notes if this book is of interest to you. I have one more episode planned for Christmas in July, which will be coming out in the last week of July, obviously. And I will be reading a chapter from one of my favorite books uh, that, that happens to be a Christmas chapter. So I will leave it at that for now, but it will also be in keeping with this month's reading prompt, which is uh, read a book that makes you laugh. So find out what that is in the next episode. 
Well, I hope you are enjoying Christmas in July. There is plenty of wonderful Christmas content coming out from the Christmas Podcast Network, and I hope that you are subscribed to all of them. Again, just to remind you to check out the Sounds of Christmas podcast, and uh, especially this the most recent one that uh, I was able to be a guest on, but you really should go and listen to all of them. It's It's been a fun uh, podcast to, to start listening to. So until next time, I do want to remind you, if you want to uh, help support the podcast, there are several ways for you to do that. Um, the best way is, of course, by word of mouth, uh, liking, subscribing, sharing, whatever you can do to uh, get the word out about our little podcast. I greatly appreciate it. Share it with somebody else in your life who might enjoy Christmas as much as you do. So if you want to help support the show financially, there's a couple of ways to do that. And you can check out the links in the show notes. I've got a, a few merch stores set up as well as you can make a donation through uh, Kofi.com. That's ko-fi.com backslash cozy Christmas for a $3 donation. You can help support us and I will send you a Christmas card, personalized Christmas card and a bookmark or sticker uh, as my way of saying thank you. Um, speaking of which, I am in the works of designing some new stickers and, and bookmarks for those of you who like them. Uh, as we've had a bit of a, a logo change here this past year, I want to um, make some more bookmarks to reflect that. So we'll have a variety of options for you. As always, stay tuned. If you'd like to send to me uh, a story about how you celebrate Christmas in July, I'd love to hear from you. Or uh, just any story of a Christmas memory or tradition, uh, I love to talk about those on the podcast. And I'm hoping to collect some new ones here for the coming fall and winter uh, seasons to share with you all. Uh, so in, until next time, thank you for listening. Remember to be kind to each other and to do good. And let us honor Christmas in our heart and try to keep it all the year. Have a very Merry Christmas.